Oh, isn't Jesus so worthy? I mean, so worthy. Worthy of everything. Couldn't you just stay in this place forever and ever and ever? Jesus, you're beautiful. Can we just can we just go once more? Let's just go once more. Let's just praise him. Let's offer him something right now. He's the most beautiful. He is the all-consuming fire. He is the most victorious. Come on, use your voice. Lift up his name. His name above every other name. Jesus. Oh, you're so worthy. You're so worthy. You're so worthy. Behold the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. You are free. You are free. Say, I am free. Okay, say it like you mean it. I am free. Say it like you're glad about it. (laughs) All right. Guys, we have Laura Beth Malloy with us all the way from Ireland. Drove in last night from Oklahoma. And we are so glad about it. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. Come on up. Wow, I'm so delighted to be here and just excited. Yeah, let's just sit in that place for just a moment. Jesus, the expectation, the anticipation of the fullness of what you have. Lord, I thank you that if we haven't already, Each one here chooses to posture their heart to receive what you have for them, this measure that you have for for them, to shift them, to untether them, to allow them to step into what you truly have for their design, for them to take breath on the earth in this hour. Lord, thank you that we set aside every distraction And we say, I want to be in alignment with you, Lord Jesus. I posture my my head, my heart, my eyes, and I look to extract everything that is given out that is from you, Lord Jesus, and receive it for myself. I speak it over myself as well. Jesus, I want the fullness of what you're pouring out in this house a unique pouring out, Father. And not because of me, but all because of you. Something that they have never had before. Lord, this is that measure, heaven to earth. Matthew 6.10, that that heaven is pouring out a fuller measure than you've ever known before. Lord, I thank you that every entanglement that would look to keep them roped in tethered down and keep them. I just, by the spirit, I just cut off those things 
right now that look to distract you, that look to keep you in a confined, constricted space. This is a day of untethering. This is a day of loosing. This is a day of being plucked up from the place in which you've been to be released in the fullness of what God has for you. And this is a day to receive what you have longed for but did not know, how do I step out of this space? Jesus is unlocking you today. So Lord, I just avail myself to you, Lord Jesus, that what you have given me, that I am anointed by you to release it in a way that you know each one here can receive it. Jesus, let your name alone, the only name. You have no rival, Lord Jesus. You have no rival. You are king of Kansas. You are king of Ireland. And we say our king is high and lifted up in our hearts, in our voices. Our eyes are on our king today. And we say for this nation, for the United States of America, for the Republic of Ireland, for Northern Ireland, for the island of Ireland. Lord, we say that we put you in your rightful place and we look to follow after you and you alone, uncompromisingly. Let this be a day where we have compromised ourselves, that we break those ties where we have partnered with an uncompromising position Lord, I thank you that today is a repositioning to where you are really looking for these sons in this house to run. And we do it all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I just want to say thank you so much. I know that there's a good few from Ireland that are coming in on um, Facebook Live. So hello to Ireland. Uh, I'll be home in just over a week and I can't wait to be back in Ireland. But for now, we have business to do. And I just want to say, I know um, those in Ireland will scribe all of those words that were spoken out, those declaration and those prayers, and we'll take it as prayer points of what God is saying from Kansas over to Ireland. And so we just say thank you so much for your willingness to invest. But it was in that place as you began to share what God was showing you and speaking to you about Ireland that a word that an Irish leader from the north had had spoken to me. I was actually in the States. I usually only come home once a year. I was born and raised in Oklahoma. I was a full-time missionary in Central America, in Guatemala for seven years. And then in 2007, I'd preached in Ireland in 2005 and 2006, and then God just opened a door in 2007, um, and I've been there full-time ever since. I was initially in Dublin, which is our capital city in, um, in, in, the, in Southern Ireland, but in 2010, God just really stirred in my heart to go into rural Ireland. So I live in a province that's called Munster, It's the bottom half of Ireland, and we make up six counties, and I'm from County Kerry, and I know that there's ones coming in from County Carlow, which is in 
Leinster, the province of Leinster, closer to Dublin. I know there's ones coming in also from Munster, from County Cork. And I know that Northern Ireland is also coming in today. So the Irish are in the house, maybe virtually, but the Irish are definitely in the house in Kansas today. And as those declarations began to go out from yourselves, God just began to say, this is a worship. I've called this house to be a worship, that this is a house that will begin to understand its true identity of what it means to go to war, not only for themselves and their house, but this is a worship that I place my trust in to be able to war for nations. And it's really an expansion of what God is saying in the way that leadership is leading you, that it's not just about our four and no more, that this is a real call that God is giving you this place of an elevated position because of your willingness to step outside of the box in Kansas. I went to university in Kansas. I went to Tabor College in Hillsborough. And yeah, yeah, that's where I went. Did you go to Tabor? Oh, you live there. I, Hills, I haven't been in Hillsboro in a long time, but yeah, it's, it's the same size as my hometown in Oklahoma. So yes, I, I lived in Kansas for two years. And so, you know, when we, when we start to hear our stories, when we start to hear everybody's stories, you could almost uh, begin to see how this tapestry of love from Colossians 2, that he's looking to do this interweaving in this time, that we're not coming into a time of <clears throat> being separate from one another, but we're really coming into this higher place. It's higher than unity. Because the, the woke agenda can get in unity, but we're call, being called into a place of oneness with Jesus, regardless of our nationality, regardless of our story. And yet when you begin to share the story, you begin to see God is doing something that we have never experienced in our time on earth before. This is such an exceptional hour. And for God to begin to speak about this house being a worship, and he began to show me this worship. And um, I love what you shared about um, that launching that was going forth from um, Kansas into Ireland. And it wasn't a hook, but it was a heart that was actually um, being stirred. And it reminded me that was being launched. And it reminded me of this word that um, a, a leader from Northern Ireland gave me before I came to the States in July and August. I usually don't have two trips home a year, but there were some um, at circumstances that got me here. And then when I got here, they said, actually, we're not going to do that. And I was like, okay, God's up to something. He got me here in one way, but other things are being launched. So in right before I went to the States, um, came from Ireland to the States the last time, this leader from Northern Ireland said, there is a linking that is taking place, Laura Beth, that I see a massive chain link between Ireland and America. And there is this reinforcement that's taking place. And, and a good few times that leader has come and reminded me, um, I love, I, I love it that I'm from Oklahoma. I love, I'm First Nation. I'm from two Native American Indian tribes. I'm from the Cherokee tribe, which everyone knows, but I'm also from the Osage tribe, which will, you'll see right now, there's a movie that was just launched on the 20th, um, Killer of the Flower Moon movie that Martin Scorsese just released. It's a true story about my tribe in Osage County, Oklahoma. 
Um, it, it's a sad story, but it's a story that I believe God is looking to redeem First Nation people in um, America, but throughout the nations to find the voice that they have in this time. And so in this word about this chain link between America and Ireland, you know, um, because I am American, but I, I really now I think I think... Well, the Irish say you're more Irish than the Irish themselves at this stage, Laura Beth. I tend to think like the Irish now. And God's just allowed. I haven't, if we had more time, I'd tell you the whole story, how God got me there and what he's done and how all the pieces of my story, he continues to use those to see what God wants to establish on the island. So um, this picture of the bride of Ireland, I, I just began as, as, um, Angie led us into that. I saw her and she was, she was prostrate, facing up on the island, but roped down. She was tethered down. She was completely, and there was a bit of rustling. She's ready to move. She's ready to step into the place. And, and that word from the Northern Irish leader just rose up in me. There is a chain link between that God is reinforcing the chain link from America to Ireland. And I just began to see, America is part, as what you all stepped into those declaration, America is part of that untethering of the bride in Ireland. So I just want to say thank you so much for pressing in. And those pieces that you gave, we'll go back on the live recording and we'll, we'll scribe those and those will be prayer points. But, you know, I've been in full-time ministry 26 years. I've preached in a lot of places. I've had the privilege of of going into all different types of venues. But when I came in here, it struck me that I love stained glass. We see a lot of beautiful stained glass in, in Ireland, but it struck me that the predominant color of your stained glass is green. And, and we have a saying in Ireland, because we get so much rain, um, we have 40 shades of green in Ireland. And as I looked at your stained glass, I was like, that linking word, God is really showing me that this particular house, this particular state has an important part to play in what God wants to do in Ireland. And so as you begin to consider, how does that how does that bless me? When God calls you to that place to make an investment in a nation, it always is an invitation to say, you sow there and watch what I will do back in your own house, back in your own state. So this is a higher calling for this house. This is a higher calling for Kansas. This is a time for Kansas to step into the fullness of what God's calling it. But for this house, this is a time for you to step into, you are a worship. And God began to, and I'm saying not worship, like we're praising God, war as in W-A-R, W-A-R. It's a warship. And God began to show me that this worship I mean, it's massive what God's called you to be. I saw the entire ship. Its length looked like that of a football field. On the sides of the ship were these massive hearts, that heart piece. And God began to show me each one of you. You were standing with torches all lining the ship. And he said, they are stepping in to understand what it means to go to war, to go to war for other nations, to pull them into to their true identity so they, they might step into that place that we would see the ecclesia, the church worldwide, established. This is a call. This is an invitation. It really is a mandate. 
that God is saying, will you war for nations? And he's putting Ireland right at the top of the list. And he's saying, war for Ireland in this time and watch what I will do in the shifting of what he wants to do in this local house, but in this state. Kansas is an important state. You're going to be able to see the rudder of the ship of where the nation goes. You'll be able to war for it and begin to see that change. But God says, will you actually put America off to the side and war in other nations. And he took me to this passage in Isaiah 60. And he said this, as, as Angie said, now just step into this place that we've been learning, that you all have been uh, um, taking these journeys. He said this about this house in Isaiah 60, verse 8. Who are these who fly like a cloud, like doves to their shelters? Yes, the coast and the islands will wait for me. Ireland's waiting for you. Ireland's waiting for you to say yes to being on that warship. Because when God showed me that warship and showed me each one of you holding a torch on the hull, on the bow, you were completely lining it. I watched the fire of that torch begin to move down that stake until you were lit on fire. You were a living, burning sacrifice. That's what he's calling you to. He's calling you to be a living, burning sacrifice on a warship to go into nations and to be the rescue mission, to be the unleashing mission, to be the, the release mission of what he's looking to do in nations. Who are these who fly like a cloud, like doves to their shelters? Yes, the coast of islands will wait for me with the ships of Tar Tarshish in the lead. This is important. We're going to come back to what Tarshish. I didn't have this before I came in. I've got a word to give to this house, but this is a word for you, that you are like the ships of Tarshish in the lead to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them for the honor of the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, who has glorified you. Foreigners will rebuild your walls and their kings will serve you. Although I struck you in my wrath, yet I will show mercy with you. I will show you my favor. Your city gates will always be open. I just saw this openness for the nations to come to this house. I saw this, I saw this releasing for you to go to the nations. And I saw this going and coming, going and coming. But that ship is, is preparing. This is a time to prepare. It's not launch time yet, but it's very, very near. So this is a time to prepare to say in that place of what Angie's leading us in, it's surrender. This is the place of surrender to say, I'm ready to take the post that you have for me, God, to be on this ship, to be that living, burning sacrifice that I'm one that has been called to a warship, this house, an edited life, to be able to be launched out into the fullness of what God has for you. It says foreigners will rebuild your walls and their kings will serve you. And I just saw this place of you being willing to go out to the foreigner release them, and they would be blessing you back. It's just a picture of the redemptive love of Jesus and what he's looking to do with you and through you in this time. It says, let's go down to verse 12, for the nation and the kingdom that will not serve you will perish. Those nations will be annihilated. The glory of Lebanon will come to you. It's pine, it's elm, it's cypress to beautify the place of my sanctuary and I will glorify my dwelling place. 
to be able to see that ship go out. You as a worship, I just saw God beginning to increase and multiply your provision to be able to go out with ease. That this would not be something that it would be, um, you know, a, a, a place of lack, but it would be a place of plenty that you're able to go out and you're able to go and bless nations. But watch this piece in um, verse 14. The sons of your oppressors will come and blow down to you. All who rev uh, reviled you will fall face down at your feet. They will call you the city of the Lord, Zion, the Holy One of Israel. Instead of you being deserted and hated with no one passing through, I will make you an object of eternal pride, a joy from age to age. You will nurse on the milk of nations and nurse at the breast of kings. You will know that I am the Lord. I am your Savior and Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Skip over to verse 8. In Isaiah 61, and it says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and injustice. I will faithfully reward my people, and I will make a permanent covenant with them. This is what God is saying to you. Where you have had injustice, where you have been rejected, where you have been turned away, God is saying he has not forgotten it. It says, I will faithfully reward my people and make a permanent covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations. This is for this house, the worship house, and their posterity among the peoples. All who see them will recognize that they are the people the Lord has blessed. And God is going to say, I'm going to, as you step into this place of being able to be one who is a burning living torch on this worship, he's going to say, actually, the injustice that you experience, the rejection that you have, I have not forgotten it. For the nations will look and your own enemies will look and they will say they are a blessed people because how they have prospered. So Lord, I just thank you that what you're saying and what you're calling this, this house into, I just want to give you this one piece. When God gave me, took me into that, I hadn't studied it out. I just sent a quick message to Northern Ireland and said, give me some background on Tarshish, because that's really what I thought God was saying um, about you. It says it's important stems from the part that the fact of the Hebrew biblical purchases tend to understand Tarshish as a source of King Solomon's great wealth in metals, especially silver, but also in gold, tin, and iron. The metals were reportedly obtained in partnership with the king of Harem of Tyre, Phoenicia, and fleets of ships from Tarshish. What is God saying? He goes, I will provide. I will give wealth. That he is calling this a worship that is like Tarshish, that there will be provision, that it's coming from in, in the biblical term, in the Hebrew, if you study this out, it's coming from King Solomon. God is saying, actually, I'm giving this release of wealth to you, but it doesn't even come from a king that would be an earthly king. I give you this wealth and I distribute it to you to be able to know your God has provided. He is providing for this worship to be able to uh, um, come into place. But as I, I give you that piece, I knew that God was saying before they can step into giving that place of surrender, of saying yes to being that living, burning sacrifice, there's an untethering that must take place in hearts today.
that I believe that today is a day to see yourself step into something that you've not known before. And so I believe that God is wanting to bring a level of freedom to you. And I just speak that out over you, Father. I just thank you that there's a willingness to enter into freedom. There's a willingness to be uncomfortable. I want to bless you to be uncomfortable. I want to bless you to step out of a place of constriction. I want to bless you and admonish you and pull you by the Spirit out of a place of constriction of what you think church is, of what you think it means to gather, of what you think that this house is. I want to pull you into a place that you've not been before because Jesus is saying, I'm calling this house up higher. I'm calling this well. This is a trusted well. God calls this house a trusted well. And he's saying, will this trusted well now step into a place of war? He is calling you into a place. It's a high calling that he's asking you to step into, and it's going to be only by the place of surrender. So what, what business are we looking to do, to do today? We're looking to do the business of heaven for the untethering for this house to be able to freely step into what God has for you. Um, I want to look at a passage of scripture. You can turn to Ezekiel 37, but I want to tell you what a tether is. As God began to speak this word to me, um, it's, he, he spoke to me about a tether. A tether is a tie with a rope or a chain as to restrict movement or range of movement. And, and as I stepped in today, of course, I love Angie. And when I stepped in today, I was like, oh, this place needs to be untethered. This place needs to be unlocked. Each one of you, God is saying, you're in a locked place. Now, maybe not all of you, meaning uh, every part of you, but God is saying, I'm cutting ties and tethers. And what is a tether? A tether is a rope or a chain as to restrict movement and range of movement. If you have a ship that's tied to the pier, how far can it go? It's restricted. Its range of movement is limited. And so that goes for you personally. Who makes up the ship? You make up the ship. And he's saying, we're going to have to untether, break those chains, break those ties that have been put in place that you have knowingly or unknowingly partnered with that is allowing you to stay tethered to a place you're, restric you're restricted. Your range of movement is, is limited. And God just has, has spoken to me. I want to share with you a dream that he gave me um, in um, late July I was just back to the States. I hadn't been, I hadn't been here for almost a year. And I was just back to the States to my home place in Osage County. And it was, my sleep was all over the place because of jet lag. And, um, at six in the morning, he woke me up and he took me into an open vision. And in this open vision, I saw like, um, an aircraft, a very old aircraft, not even World War II. This is like turn of the century. It was a biplane air, aircraft so you could see the the top wings and the bottom wings but they were all made out of wood and there was there was you could see light through some of it it wasn't even a continuous wing it was off the ground but only barely it was only barely able to maintain any airspeed it 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 looked weak it looked like it was not going to make it and and i said to god why are you showing me this and he said what do you see and i said that that plane is not going to make it 
it won't be able to maintain enough power or momentum to maintain airspeed. I was like, that plane's going to crash. Why are you showing me this? You know, when God gives you a dream or an open vision, it's always an invitation to ask questions, just as we see Daniel did. And so I said, why are you showing me this? And he said, go to sleep. And he took me into a a really, really deep sleep. And in that deep sleep, he then gave me a prophetic dream. And in the prophetic dream, I'm standing on an airstrip, a long runway. And I'm about three quarters of the way up the runway when I'm directed to look left and I see the most modern fighter jet um, plane that was bright red with a white stripe, wide white stripe running down the center of it. And he says, look. And I looked and the engines began to turn on to this aircraft. And in the dream, my whole body shook. I felt my hair begin to move. And I began to... Um, in great anticipation, I wanted to see it taxi past me. I was like, this is some kind of machine. It was so modern. It was bright, shiny red. And then there, there was that white stripe going down the center of it. I felt the power shake my body as the engines began to rev up. And in the dream, I'm anticipating, I want to see this thing taxi past me, this machine taxi past me, when in a moment, it just launches. It never needed to taxi. It never needed to build up speed. It had the power necessary for it to immediately launch. And I, I, I woke up and I said, what are you showing me, God? He said, that aircraft that I first showed you, that turn of the century biplane, that's where my church is right now. If they don't step out of everything that they've known in the place of constriction, they won't make it where I'm looking to take my bride. This is someplace we've not been before. This is someplace the earth has not known in what God is releasing in to this uh, um, epoch, in this epoch of time, what God wants to release, we've not known it before. So we have to step off of that old aircraft, of what we've known, how we've known worship, how we've known uh, um, um, sitting with God how we've known to what it means in intimacy that it is no longer that you and I are going through the motions of what it means to truly journey with Jesus. Jesus is calling sons in this time. Sit with me. I have things to tell you, and I'm pulling you out of a place of what you have known it to be in in, in journeying with Jesus, in, in following after Jesus. It is this time that there is a dismantling that's taking place in the ecclesia, in the church worldwide, that he is saying, that is not what I'm doing, that old aircraft. That is no longer. It may have been purposeful at one time, but God is calling time on that. And so I began to ask him questions about that red aircraft. And I said, why is it red? And he said, because what I'm doing is redemptive. I am doing what I did with my son whenever I sent my son to the earth, whenever he sent Jesus Christ to the earth. It was all for the redemption for you and I to be able to be able to call, be called sons of God. It was for our eternal salvation, but it was for even so much more. If that was all that we were received, it would have been enough. But God says, no, there's more, there's more, there's more. And in the same place when Jesus came, that 
who was the prophet among prophets, but he came and he redeemed us into a place that what Hebrews 11 says, we have the better covenant than even the ancients. We have something that Jesus said, "Ah, there is a generation, he spoke to his disciples and said, there's a generation that's coming. They'll follow after me. They'll surrender. They'll lay down their life unto me and they'll do even greater works than I did. We are that generation. This is our time, but it won't be in a time, it won't be in a place where we're surrendered, where we're tethered. If we're tethered, if we're, 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 we're almost surrendered, but we've got one foot over here. This is a place that he's saying, all of you, all of you. So when Angie was leading us into that place of surrender, everything, 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 I believe what Jesus is calling this house into is a place to be a worship, a a place to be able to move freely. And I saw multiplication. I saw multiplication in this house. I love this building. I love this space, but it's not going to be big enough. Because there's harvest, there's harvest. Why do we do this? Why do we go to war? Well, we do it namely because we're just in love with our king. That Like all these years, he still captivates me. I can't get enough. And it's in this place of intimacy, of sitting with him, of lingering with him, that I'm knowing, wow, what I call serving you, what I called worshiping you, it was so small. It has no value anymore. And so what I look to step into is the purity of what you're doing in this time, Lord Jesus. I pursue you. I don't pursue anything else but you, Jesus. And he he spoke to me and I asked him, I said, why the white stripe? He said, I'm calling forth my bride, my church, my sons into an uncompromising, righteous positioning that what they speak will not move. It is not riding the fence. It is not in this place of a lukewarmness, but he is calling us into the place of uncompromising faith. And it comes from that place of surrender, that we are so surrendered to him, that man's agenda, that the approval of man, that that political spirit that looks to rise up in this nation and in Ireland, that religious spirit that always looks to, those two always look to couple up together, a religious spirit and a political spirit. And where those two spirits uh, um, begin to um, partner up, if you enter into it, it's a lower kingdom. It'll pull you into distractions. It will get you out of the place that you can say, I'm, I'm not compromised. No, it will compromise you. It will always compromise you. Jesus is calling us to this higher position, positioning that's above all kingdoms because we are seated in high places with him. So he's saying, be seated with me. All of the static noise of what we see takes place with elections, what we're seeing take place economically um, throughout the world. As we see wars unfold in Russia, Ukraine, in Israel, as we see these things begin to unfold, we understand that we have a part to play in the place of prayer, but we do not enter into the lower kingdoms. We stay in the place of being highly seated, the highest place seated with Christ Jesus. And it's from there that he is calling you and I to rule and reign, but it's only in a place of surrender. It's in a place of surrender. It's in a place of saying, I recognize for my own self that I'm restricted, that I'm confined, that I'm challenged in an area that is, that, that is um, 
causing a refrain when I feel to go, when it gives me refrain when I feel to speak out that word of the Lord, that God is saying, this is a day to cut tethers. Amen? Okay, Karen, would you bring me that water, please? I want to just thank my, this is a childhood friend. Um, Karen's parents mentored me growing from about the time I was eight years old. They, they planted a church in my hometown, and we have, we have journeyed a lot together. And I'm just, she's a teacher in, in our hometown, Hominy, Oklahoma, and she made the trip with me um, last night. And I'm just really, really grateful that Karen's here. Okay, who wants to be untethered? Who wants to see ropes and chains removed? Because this, this house is a worship with a voice. And Angie and John are standing at the helm, and they're using their voice. But it won't be enough. They need your voice. They need you to step into that place. Beautiful example of what it looks like to be surrendered. But their surrenderedness only allows you to have a picture of what God is asking for your lives. They're not the standard. Jesus is always the standard. But this is a time to say, I'm willing to surrender today. But in that place, let's look at Ezekiel 37, starting with verse 1. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. I just want to give you this prophetic word. Remind me of your, I know we met last night. What is your name? Jeffrey, yeah, I just see that God is really breaking. I just kept getting it all through the service. There's a generational um, binding that's kept you in a place of being restricted that um, both through your mother's bloodline and for, through your father's bloodline that you have tried so many times to look to move forward. You're able to move to some degree because of your love for Jesus, but there's always a restriction that pulls you back. And it's a, it, coming from a generational place, but you thought, but I've, I've repented of this and I've looked to turn away from this. And I just see right now, would you just stand up? Angie and John, would you just come lay hands on him? You are designed for war. You are one who knows how to war, but you're so restricted, you're not able to war. So um, I, I'm sorry, your name again? Jeffrey. I cut off, I render powerless, I decree where death has looked to keep you bound. Just look at me, Jeffrey. I break a spirit of death that's looked to rest on your life in Jesus' name. It is one that comes from, I really believe God's showing me, it comes from your father's bloodline. And I break a spirit of death off of you generationally. I break it off of your bloodline right now. And as I lay hands on you, every tether, every rope, every shackle, every old and ancient shackle that the enemy has looked to put on you and bind you in, I break that off of you now in Jesus' name. I pull you into the place of freedom. You are one who is designed for war, who is meant for war. And in this time, God says, the giftings and callings of God, they go without repentance. And God says this to you, and I say this in great love, love of the King. He says, it's time to stop playing games, Jeffrey. It's time to step into the place of your rightful identity of who God says you are. And no longer will you have 
one foot in one camp and one foot in another camp because you are now unshackled into the place of freedom to be able to step into the fullness of what God has. Where you have been unable to retain revelation, I break that cloud off of you in Jesus' name. And I lay my hands on you and I say in Jesus' name that revelation from your king will come to you. It will come to you in the midnight hour. It will come to you in the noonday sun. And I call forth the revelation of God to be released upon you like fire. That fire would come from your lips in a place this is not from your gifting. This is revelation from heaven to earth. And so I release you and I bless you in the place to rule and reign as the son that God's called you to be. You are not an orphan. And I break orphan mindset off of you. And I call you into the place of you have been put on this earth for such a time as this, and you are called to war. It is a call that God is saying, Pull him now into the place of his willingness to war. And every single sound that you have heard that the enemy has sent out as, as almost like a siren looking to call you back into an ancient place, I now say by the authority of the name of Jesus, I break off every siren that has looked to pull you back. I cut it off in the spirit realm and I say, this is a son of the most high God. I now bless him and release him by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ to step into his true identity, says the Lord God. Amen? Let's look at Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, starting with verse 1. And I want you to see yourself as Ezekiel in this place. I believe we have it on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Ezekiel 37, starting with verse 1. This is an exchange between Ezekiel the prophet and the Lord God. It will be a familiar scripture to some of you. The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And God just began to speak to me that right now in the lives of many, they are standing and they are looking at death and they are looking at, you know, I've got this, I've got this desire. I've got this vision that I know that God gave me. For some of you, it's been a prophetic word that God has given you something. And yet at one time you looked at it and you had great hope. You were like, wow, this is the thing that moves me. This is the thing I'm called to. This is, uh, this speaks to my very being. And yet now when you look at it, because hopelessness over that thing has rested, it looks absolutely impossible. It looks impossible that this thing, no way can it get off the ground. No way can it live. So what are we looking to do today? We're looking to for you to be untethered. We're cutting old tethers that you have knowingly or unknowingly partnered with. And we're step, stepping into a place of living dreams. The living dreams that God has for you. So Ezekiel the prophet is at this valley and he looked at it and all he saw was dead bones. In verse two, it says, he led me back and forth among them. I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry, very dry. Verse three, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, only you know. And that's where some of you are at. This is a prophetic house. Prophecy flows here easily. And so you've heard the prophetic You've heard the word of the Lord, the word of prophecy that's gone out over your individual lives or out over this house. And you're like, 
God said it, if he's going to do it, he'll have to do it. And there's been a disengagement of where God has given you a promise and you are in a place of being um, compromised in the place of stepping into faith to see that word of prophecy come to come to pass, that you would step into the place of the fullness of what God means and that you're looking, wow, I really feel that. I really sense that. Take a minute. If it helps you, close your eyes. You don't have to. Take a minute. What's the dead dream? What's the thing that looks so impossible right now? What's the thing that you once had such hope for, but now you're greatly challenged on? And you're saying, like Ezekiel said, well, if it's going to live, if it's going to take breath, if it's really going to happen in my finances, if it's really going to happen in my business, if it's really going to happen with my children, if it's really going to happen in my region, in my neighborhood, in my state, in my nation, if it's really going to happen, it's going to be a complete miracle. Because when I look at it, it looks dead, it looks dry, it looks lifeless. And then God gives this instruction to Ezekiel in verse 4. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. See, somewhere in the place of the dream that God gave you, that the call that God has put upon your life, somewhere in that, there's been a muddling up. There's been a mixture that you got involved in that you're part of the provision and solution for that thing to come to pass. And yet here God is instructing, it is my power, meaning God, it is my power and my power alone that causes the thing that looks so dead and lifeless to actually come to pass. And he is giving this unique instruction. Like, I don't know, well, I know one prophet in the house, but every person in here is prophetic. This is a prophetic house. This is, more, this is a sharper house than I'm normally used to coming into. I'm ready for you to lay hands on me and start to prophesy over me. You're well able. You're well able. This house is being stewarded in great health. Well done. Well done. This house is healthy. This house has some adjustments and changes to make, but it's a healthy house. It's a house where a prophet can come into and say, you can lay hands on me. There's a lot of houses I go into and I say, I will cast the devil out of you. This is a healthy house. And so God is saying, where is the place that you have now been compromised, that when you look at the living dream that you once had great hope on, you now have a place of doubt that has entered into your heart that you're like, well, only God knows if this is actually going to come to pass. And yet God is giving this house instruction 
Begin to prophesy breath into what looks dead and lifeless. Begin to speak tendons and flesh onto bones that they might live and walk again. And so God, when he does that, what is he saying? Surrender to what you're tethered to, to what you're tied to, because the thing that you're tied to, you're not going to be able to step in and speak that his power would begin to cause something that is dead to live again. Are you with me? Are you hearing this in your heart? Now, come on, stay with me here because this is a word that God is saying, I'm untethering you. And he's going to begin to reveal and he's going to begin to show you where you've partnered with doubt, where you've partnered with unbelief, where you've entered into a place of a repetitive anxiety that is crippling you and tethering you to a place that you're so restricted that you're like, yeah, I remember having great hope about that dream. I remember having a great wantedness about God's plan, but now I'm just in survival mode. I'm just in autopilot. So whenever we look at um, verse 7, we see the obedience of the prophet. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And this is the place that some of you are at, that you're saying, but I have seen God move. I have seen his faithfulness. I've heard the word of the Lord. I've stepped out in faith, but this is still missing. And God is saying, do it again. Do it again. And I hear the word of the Lord over this house. Go back to that drawing room table. Go back and look at the vision and go back and look. And I just keep hearing God say, go back to the vision board. Go back to the vision board and look at it and say, God, are you still saying yes on this? We gave up on it because we didn't see it working. And I see God saying, go back again, do it again, because you speak breath into it. You almost saw it happen, but didn't quite. And that goes for your lives too. That goes specifically, when I came, as I was preparing yesterday in Oklahoma, God said, I'm going to do physical miracles in that house. Physical healing will take place in this in this house. So that's where I want you, if that's you, I want you to begin to stir yourself up, break partnership with doubt, because God wants to do physical healings in this house today. He said, Lord Beth, go and preach, but this time expect the demonstrations of my power to be made manifest in these living, breathing ones that I love so much. Jesus loves this house. He absolutely loves it. And he said, will you come into the place of allowing me in a place of surrenderedness to be able to receive the fullness of what he has for you, which in part is, and it would be enough, but he's got more than just physical healing. He does have that for you. And if that's for you, I want you to now begin to prepare your heart to receive that you would not doubt. Amen. So in verse seven, we see that Ezekiel begins to prophesy and he begins to do this. He hears the rattling of the bones, but there's no breath in them. Then in verse nine, it says, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. 
And so what does Ezekiel do? And what are you going to do today? So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. I expect that when we finish our time here today, that this is a house that is coming into the place of being the vast army that can step on that warship. This is a time that there is, I hope you're a little bit uncomfortable. I hope that you're a little bit rattled yourself going exactly what, why is she here? What is she looking to do? And what is she looking to step into in pulling us into a place? I'm telling you this, we have a saying in Ireland, they call a football field a pitch. My dad was a, um, was, I'm always saying American football coach. I have to say that in Ireland, but I'm in America. My dad was a football coach. And the stadium in my hometown is named after my dad. He was a good football player and he was a good coach. And the region I live at in Ireland is known for Gaelic football. They have a long heritage and a lot of success in Gaelic. Ireland is made up of 32 counties. The, the Republic of Ireland is made up of 26 and my particular county um, has won more of what we would call the Super Bowl. We call the All-Ireland. And my home county has won more All-Irelands than any other county. They love football, but they call a football field a pitch. And as I stepped in here today, I heard, I heard the Holy Spirit say, leave nothing on the pitch. Leave nothing on the pitch. Leave nothing on the field today. And that as we step into this place of you being willing to prophesy over what you see as dead, we're stepping into a place of the fullness of you and this house coming into its true identity to not only see change in this um, Jackson City region, in this area of Kansas, in the state of Kansas, but also in the nations. It's a high calling that this, this house has to the nations. And in verse 11 of Ezekiel 37, it says, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. Now let's remember all, all scripture can be put into three categories. This is a mature house, so you already already know this. But all scripture can be put into three categories. It is either addressed to the church, meaning us. It's, a, it's addressed to the world, or it's addressed to Israel. All scripture can be um, um, categorized into one of those three. But we know as those who have been grafted in that he loves us as he loves Israel. When he speaks to Israel here, he's speaking to us as well. And it says in verse 11, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to says to say, and he gave it to Israel and he gives it me to me today to also speak out over you, my people. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. He keeps speaking of his own power, of his own sovereignty in the, in the impossibilities of what Israel was facing then, in the impossibilities of what you're facing now. When you look, this I, I, I hear the word, Angie. It is a time, and John, I hear the word of the Lord. Begin again to um, step into the place of your desire to dream over land, property, and buildings. And I'm talking about acreages. I see God giving you acreages. I see him allowing you to step in. That you would. I, I see the two of you standing in an open field of a great acreage, and you just look, and God's saying, now dream. Now dream. 
now dream, now dream. And I, I, I see this as a place that God is going to allow the nations to come to. It is for Kansas. It is for Junction City. But it's so much bigger than that. This is a worship that God is saying, now rise up and begin to prophesy. Speak over fields, speak over land. It's a time for you to begin to rise up in faith and pull in the land, the property, and the buildings that is in, it's part of your inheritance. Don't give away your inheritance. Don't stop and don't leave something on the pitch because you weren't willing to step into the place of the greater call that God is saying. It is in the place of being untethered. So um, I just say by in the name and by the authority of Jesus, John, would you just stand up? Would you come and lay hands? Angie. He si no, no place of judgment. But as soon as I saw you, John, God says, I'm untethering him. I'm wrecking what he thought he would be doing. I'm completely dismantling where you thought you would go and how you thought you would build and what, I mean, he's just wiping the slate clean. This is such a time that you are just coming in. I just see you actually, I see Angie standing in that field, arms lifted high. I see you on your knees and I see your tears are like an anointing oil that God is saying those tears he has collected every one. Every tear that you have cried in the last 20 years, he says that he has collected it. It is a precious offering to him, and he's pouring it out over the land. Not one tear has been forgotten. But now, he says, now we're closing time on that season. That door is now closed. And now he's releasing you and pushing you and calling you. There's not a lot of choice on this, John. I mean, you can give God a no. But there's not a lot of choice on this. He is saying, this is my mandate for this time. And I'm telling you, I see your tears being soaked into the soil of Kansas land. And it is for this positioning of, and, and, and he says, look, 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 your building looks like a tent. It's not a tent, but it looks like one. It looks like one, and I see the walls of that, and it actually, when you look at it, you have to do a double take because you're like, is that a tent? No, that's a that's an actual structure, but God says that you are building a tent that when uh, um, people come into it, there's no word going forth. They just enter into it, and they're hit with the power of God, that they're hit. I'm telling you, it's a place. I don't know what the history is of this particular area in revival, but whatever's gone in the ground, the ground is now calling up, is ready to release. The land is coming into alignment of a seed that was sown 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. The seed is in the ground, and now is a time for harvest over this entire region. It's a tent, and it looks like a tent, and it's out in a massive field. It's an acreage. I wouldn't say it's any less than five acres, but it could be ten. It's it's a big, it's a big area that you're able, you're able to bring people in. And I see the lines of cars of people looking to get in to hit and experience the power of God. This is a place that dudamus power, 
signs, miracles, and wonders. And I see people coming from Nebraska. I see people coming from California. I see people coming in from actually the north, the south, the Dakotas especially. The Dakotas, people are going to come in from the Dakotas. And we call them forth now. These are people who are at a place of desperation. And they've heard about a well. And it's in a field in Kansas. And they're willing to come. But God says, John, I'm calling you. This is your time to step into the fullness of what he has for you to do in this land for this time. And God says to you, Angie, Angie, for I have heard your prayer. I have not forgotten what I gave you as a desire. And it is in this time that it's a place of oneness. Now, there's no brokenness in this, in your relationship. But I'm telling you, you're getting ready to experience oneness in your marriage like you have never known before. God sets you as a marker and a standard for what true love is. And where there has been every counterfeit that has looked to hinder or stop this marriage, I, even the residue of it, I remove it off of you in Jesus' name. And I call this marriage into the fullness of fruitfulness. And God says, not only is it you have experienced, you have six kids, you've been fruitful. So you've been (laughs) fruitful in the natural. Now he says he calls you into fruitfulness in the spirit. And that's where that you've touched into it. You've come out of it. You've touched into it. You've come out of it. Now I call you into your new reality to be fruitful and multiply in the spirit. I heard this in Worship, Angie, replication, replication, replication. This is the time to replicate. God says, start with who you have and begin to watch multiplication and replication on this house for land, property, and buildings for sons to come into their true identity. It's not just for prophets. It's not just for prophets. There's apostles, hungry apostles. Hungry apostles. I mean... Almost like I'm hearing God say homeless apostles, homeless apostles. God's going to give them a home. He's going to give them a father. And it's you. Amen. Okay, where are we at? We're at this place of knowing there's something more for this house and there's something more for your life. That's where we're at. We're at the place of recognizing we've got some dead stuff that God says that was always, you heard me correctly. The word of the Lord over your life was correct. But he wants to untether you where you have partnered with death, disillusion, unbelief, and fear. He wants to untether you in those areas. In that place, God gave me a scribed prophetic word. And we're going to go through that. Does everyone need to stand up for just a moment? Just stand up. Let's move around. This, take a drink. This is a house we can do this in. This is family. This is the place of the love of God being known. That um, I was telling Angie last night, there's a leader in Northern Ireland that we always say to each other, I knew you before I knew you. I knew you in the realms. This is that type of a house that I can come in and say, I'm with family. 
stretch, move about. I'm getting ready to just give you a word, and it's for you. Amen? Okay, you can have a seat. I'll email this to Angie. So anybody who wants this, I don't know. If Angie and John were my pastors, I don't think they'd give me much of a choice. Everybody will be getting a copy of this word. Um, I'll email it to Angie, and I also have a copy I can give you if you want to make um, um, Xerox copies. God gave me this, and you, you'll, with Angie, I know that you're probably pushed sometimes to do prophetic acts that you're like, what are we doing today? But it is so fun as you begin to see yourself step into a place that I recognize that as a prophet, when I stepped in, I was like, oh, they're prophetically sharp. They're able to hear the Lord. This is a house that's stewarded prophetically well. And so you know that there's different ways. You've heard me begin to give out a, a, a word of prophecy. That's a nabby prophet. Like I didn't know Jeffrey. Um, I just met John last night. And so that's Navi flow. And the word Navi comes, it, you'll find it in the Old Testament and it means a bubbling up. So those words just come to me very, very quickly. But other times God will give me a scribed word and it comes to me quickly. And I um, scribe that out. And so this is the word of the Lord over your lives today. Remembering a tether is a tie with a rope or a chain as to restrict movement or range of movement. We're untethering today. The Lord God calls to his sons and daughters, awaken, look to me. Yes, fully look to me. For you are being tossed by the onslaught of an assignment looking to throw you off my course. It is purpose to derail my plan and the dreams I have placed within you, says the Lord God. Align with me. Awaken out of your slumber and align with me. Give up your old prayers. Let them go. They are stale and no longer from your heart. You have experienced tiredness and weariness, but that is not my portion for you. For what I look to pour out upon you and within you is a fresh, wild, and spontaneous portion. Awaken today, says the Lord God. Fall on your face before me. For the robotic religious nature you have subtly embraced, both knowing you have subtly embraced both knowingly and unknowingly, is causing you to have a foot in two camps. It will not work. No longer will you find solace in the routine of religiosity of what you call relationship with me, says the Lord God. I am not moved by circumstances. I am moved by true hearts. Surrendered hearts, hearts abandoned to me in spirit, not by your deeds and works. It is humility to me and humility to one another that you will see the act of surrendering take root to produce a harvest you have long desired. Let's just settle right there for just a moment. <clears throat> I don't know. So, so when Angie... Like, I'm just thinking of this word the whole time that Angie's leading us into that time of surrender, surrender, surrender. And I love Jesus. And I love him that I would give up lands and properties and my own family. Sometimes I went, during COVID, I went almost four years without seeing my family and seeing my mother. 
Like I've been willing to do that. And I felt that call of him saying, surrender, Lord Beth. Go low, go low, go low. And that's not just for me. That's what he's calling forth for his sons in this time. A place of surrender. A place of abandoning everything that has kept us from the place of, of walking in humility towards God and towards each other. See, typically we'll be okay about showing humility to God. But when it comes to one another, that shows are we really in a place of humility towards God? Because we struggle to show it to each other. And he says in this place, he says, uh, um, fall on your face before me for the robotic religious nature you have subtly embraced both knowingly and unknowingly is causing you to have a foot in two camps. It will not work. No longer will you find solace in the routine of religiosity of what you call relationship with me, says the Lord God. I am not moved by circumstances. I am moved by true hearts, surrendered hearts, hearts abandoned to me in spirit, not by your deeds and works. It is humility to me and humility to one another that you will see the act of surrendering take root to produce a harvest you have long desired. The Lord God says, I am peace in the storm. I am the rock in the strong winds. I am all you need. Simply and purely come to me. Remove yourself from the voices of static. Linger with me. Linger longer. Stay with me. It is your willingness to cut old tethers of the past which release my breath, my life, to dreams that you doubt can live again. Today, break partnership with doubt. Doubt has landed on your life, blinding you to the reality of my power, sovereignly operating, and you ruling and reigning in my power. I am and I will, says the Lord God. You have long desired to see your lands healed. I will heal your lands, but not with you having a foot in two camps. No, says the Lord God. I am jealous for you, and I am asking for all of you. Cut old tethers of unbelief, and fear will lose its hold. Walk from the old ways I am awakening you to even now. Old ways, old ways, show us, Holy Spirit. Any place we've partnered with an, a religious spirit, an old way, an old mindset, any place where we still have a foot on that old aircraft, show it to us, Lord. Walk from the old ways I'm awakening you to even now and watch. Doubt will stop playing a repetitive recording, bringing hopelessness. Run to me, sons and daughters of mine, says the Lord God, all of you. I desire and ask for all of you. I will not reject a broken and contrite heart. My portion today is to heal brokenness, wholeness to physical frames, complete healing in your physical bodies, fullness of health to your cells. All I have already appropriated is for you. Yes, fullness of health belongs to you. You are precious in my sight. I am asking for surrender. Complete surrender, says God. 
For it is in your obedience to allow the posture of your heart to change position that I release my breath upon your lifeless dream, says God. Rise up, awaken yourself. For it is today I say, and this just rose up in me as he showed me that worship. He showed me those, the, the insignia going down the entire side of both ships, heart after heart after heart. But then seeing all of you holding these torches, outlining the ship, but the fire from the torch was running down the stake and you were becoming the living, burning sacrifice. You were the torch. And this he says, rise up, awaken yourself. For it is today I say, you can no longer remain a motionless monument, but rather a burning, living, breathing sacrifice unto me, says the Lord God. Awaken, cut old tethers. Father God, I thank you that each spirit man that's here receives the truth of what you are saying in a place of revelation. That they may have known it in their heads before, but Lord, where you're speaking about doubt and unbelief, that's allowing fear to run a course of repetitive thoughts, that's allowing for anxiety to rest on them. Lord, I thank you that this word is that shear or that knife that's coming in and it's cutting a tether that has kept you in a place of restriction. Lord, I thank you that this would be a word that as it rests on them, they are recognizing the robotic nature of what they have unknowingly entered into, of what it means to truly linger with you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that this word shows each one of us, where do I have a foot in both camps? Where have I compromised? Where are you calling me to align and reposture my, my heart with you, Lord God? <clears throat> Lord, let us be the remnant that rises up, that we are no longer just hearers of your word, your directives, Lord, but we take this word and we take the scriptures, which I've listed with it, that you gave me, that you directed me. This is what I'm looking to do. This is where they must anchor up. This is where they must position themselves, all from the place of being willing to be surrendered to me. Lord, I thank you that this word is seated in them and it produces what your intentions are that it produce. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look at some knife points to cut old tethers. So God has given you the word. This is the word of the Lord over your life. Now let's look at Knife points to cut old tethers. And I'll pass this on to Angie as well for her to pass on to you. Number one, what you tolerate, you empower. So what you're tolerating, you empower. So if there's an area, say in your business, in your finances, 
in your relationships and you're tolerating something thinking it'll get better. It's got to change. Certainly, I've prayed about it so much, and yet God is highlighting it as it's time to cut that. I'm, clo- I'm calling time on that, that God's calling time on it. What you tolerate, you empower. Number two, God will not cut off what he has given us authority to remove from our lives. Jesus gives us the power to remove restrictions, cut old tethers. What is he saying here? God will not cut off what he has given us the authority to do. So this is really saying he's not allowing for sluggardness or laziness. He's saying to us, I've highlighted, or he is highlighting today, some areas that he's saying it's time to cut that old tether. It's causing restriction in you. And you look at it and you're like, what so-and-so, who, what if so-and-so thinks this about me if I do that? And I'll just pray about it instead. So we begin to enter into a place that we're praying something over something, hoping it will change instead of following the directive of the Lord that he's like, call time on that. Cut that off. Number three, and this ties in with number two, circumvention is not freedom from a tether. To circumvent something, to go another route, circumvention is not freedom from a tether. What the Holy Spirit has highlighted to each of us that needs cutting cannot be circumvented by hoping and praying it will change. Cut old tethers. So what is he saying? Let's say that you've done your business, that you've led your business in a certain way and you have a, a certain accounting method that's always worked for you. And you're like, but Sally knows how to do this so well and God's been saying to you, I want you to come over and do it in another way, in another method. And you're like, just praying for Sally that she'll come up to speed and be able to do it the new way. And God says, no, I'm calling time. I'm not telling people to go fire employees. (laughs) Just so you know, just so we're clear there. And with all of these knife points, it's important that we hear the truth of what God is saying, but we look for the counsel of the Lord in taking those steps or we look to say, God, is this what you're asking me to do? He'll answer you. You're well able to hear this. Don't look look to circumvent something. Come up with another method. Look to pray, pray the situation out. If he's telling you to remove that tether, if he's telling you to cut that, this is the word of the Lord. It's time to say, I'm closing doors on that. I'm now cutting that off. Amen. Number four. God will not cut off what he has trained and given us the authority and power to do. See, so often when he shows us something, because of fear of man, because of our own place of thinking, I'm just not that person to be able to do that, that he is saying, I've given you the authority. We can't say, God, you do it. God is saying, no, you're going to have to do it. When when God asked Abraham to, to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham couldn't stand there and say, I don't want to give up my my only son. I don't want to go and make him the sacrifice. God, you just do it for me. No, Abraham had to step into the place that he was obedient to do what God asked him to do. And in the place of being willing to sacrifice Isaac, what happens? Provision comes. So God is saying, if you will be the one to walk in his authority and in his instruction of how to do it, 
What you think looks impossible is not impossible in the partnership of God in what he's asking you to do. Amen? Number five, the fulfilled promises or dreams God has given you come to life when we walk in obedience to his commands. Think about Ezekiel in this passage of Ezekiel 37. He looked at an impossibility, dry, dead bones. There's no breath on it. And God said, do this. As Ezekiel was obedient to do what the Lord instructed, before him stood a vast army. And so God is saying, for your fulfilled promises that he has for you, you're going to have to go walk some land. You're going to have to go stand in some pastures. You're going to have to go look at acreages. You're going to have to get on whatever the, the property app is here and start looking at stuff. And there's going to be such a joy in going to walk. You're going to get your steps in, no bother, that God is saying you're going to have to go out and do those things. That word that Jeffrey received, God is saying to you, there's, he's going to have to walk that out. He's going to have to say, no shackles were removed from me. And I'm going to have to, Jeffrey's going to have to ask God, show me how to walk as a warrior because I heard your word calling me into a place to be able to war. But all I know is how to be a shackled man. So Jeffrey's going to have to press into that and walk into obedience to say, show me Jesus. Is it that easy? Yes. We've made it really, really difficult. But it is that easy that he's saying, ask me and I'll show you. So this is God really saying he's not willing to do for us what he's given us the power and authority to do. What is this really a call to? Mature sons. This is mature sons. This is off of the milk, onto the meat. And God's saying, I'm calling the mature sons of God to be willing to step into the place that they ask me for instructions and they obey me in it. Number six, we have power and authority by the word and the name and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What more do we need? See, you're going to have to step into this place of this mature call that God's asking. We're going to look at one last passage of scripture in James. You can start turning there. And then we're going to move into some ministry. And then I'm going to hand it back to Angie. You can turn to James chapter one. So God is asking that we come into the place of you don't have access to Angie at Thursday at two o'clock, but you've got a real situation that he's saying, I need you to be the mature son, the mature one who steps in to use my authority. Understand what it means. I was, I was talking to my mom in her office. So I only get to see my mom once, maybe twice a year. And we were sitting and we were just talking about the way that I grew up. And I had, um, actually my great-grandparents were from Coffeyville, Kansas. And so I've got all kinds of Kansas ties. And um, we were just talking about, I think I'm either fifth or sixth, fifth or sixth generation um, in the ministry. And um, we were just talking about different things like that. And I said, she said, how do you know how to do that? Was it in Bible school? Was it in mission school? Was it just experience? I said, oh, it was Banna, which is what I call my grandmother. It's a pet name. It was Banna. And she goes, what did she tell you? She told me as a little girl, 
Never forget the blood of Jesus, Lord Beth. Wherever you go, when you don't know what to pray, Lord Beth, pray the blood of Jesus. It is our covenant. It is our promise. Nothing can penetrate the blood. And so when we have, we have seen a seeker-friendly church look to arise in America especially, but in the nations that doesn't want to talk about the blood, you'll never see the power of the demonstration of, the G- of Jesus Christ where they're not willing to talk about the blood. The precious blood of Jesus. That, that place of understanding, God humbled Himself, came in the womb of a woman to a dirt ball, to meaning the earth, to a dirt ball, the greatest act of surrender, the greatest act of humility, and all for the place of giving the, the blood of God that not only redeems all mankind, but John 10, 10 says that he came so that we might have life and life more abundantly, life to the full. And so this untethering word that God's giving you, these knife points are saying, I'm cutting off the things that are not allowing me to walk in the John 10, 10 life. For me, no, 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 no. This is where the American church and the church in the West has to rise up. It is not for you and I to have a more comfortable life. This is this higher call to the maturity of understanding when James chapter 1 happens in my life, it's okay. It's a good thing when James chapter 1, starting with verse 2, starts to happen in my life. This is not for you and I to be comfortable. The church in the West is completely averse to any kind of discomfort, any kind of pain. But this is where this untethering word, this is uh, this is a freedom word, but this is a place of calling you to a greater maturity because of what's ahead. And that's not me speaking out of fear, but there is great change and unrest that is coming for the nations of the world, and it includes America. And so God is saying, I'm looking for the mature sons to step into the place that they're able to say, we are a warship and we go into the place of warring. We know how to go into the realms. We know how to step into the place of, of prophetic sharpness. We know how to hear the word of the Lord and we know how to be seated in that higher place that though all of the kingdoms of this world are in unrest and war, we stay firmly um, seated in great confidence of where we've been seated because of the blood covenant that we share with the Lord Jesus Christ. What he did for us secures us in the place that I have not only an invitation, but a mandate to sit with him according to Galatians 4, that I am no longer a slave, but I am a son that's seated in this higher place. This is not just for John and Angie or the leadership of this church. This is for every single one of you. So let's look at James chapter 1, starting with verse 2. This is God saying, when this happens, embrace it. Don't run from it. Consider it pure joy. Starting with verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. This is sons and daughters coming into the place of saying, okay, didn't see this coming. Or I knew this was coming, and it's worse than I thought it would be. And saying, I'm good with that. 
I'm okay with that because there's something that's being produced in me. There is a perseverance that there is a production of something in me that is necessary. This is the call that God is saying. Who are the ones that when trials and tribulations come, they don't run. They're, they're like going, sign me up. I'm here. It's a complete counter kingdom, our kingdom, that we would see trouble coming and have joy in it. But he says in verse 4 that let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. So what is God saying? The trials, the difficulties that you could be having in the classroom at school. I counted you. I think there's all there, there's eight people that look like they're under the age of 18 here today. And so when you start to have issue at school, when you start to have those uncomfortable situations, God is saying to you, it's okay. That he's producing something in you that's perseverance so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Verse 5 says, if, you if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, this goes back to the word I've given you, cut old tethers. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. God is calling you to this place. Untether. It's okay when the trials and tribulations happen. I'm causing a maturing in this house. That's not a place to get into fear. It's a place to say, okay, I'm going to break partnership with doubt over my finances. I'm going to break partnership over the lab results that came back from the doctor last week. That, that may be a true result but we don't have to partner with what the outcome of that diagnosis is. That God is saying, you know, to every young person that's in here today, what you've thought journeying with Jesus is, it's so much more. So much more. I, wasn't there somebody else here that's not here anymore that was sitting here? Young guy? Is he gone? Okay. He had to go to work. Okay. Well, I'll record a word. I have a word for him. Oh, you're his parents. Okay. I'll record a word. I have a word for him, and I'll record it and get it to Angie, and Angie can get it on. And what's his name? Tice? Titus. Ooh, what a nice name. Lovely name. Okay. We stand to your feet. Can you come to the keyboard? There's somebody else. Did he have to go to work too? No, he went downstairs. He went downstairs. Is that you, Jordan? Yeah, I remember meeting you last night. I have a word for you. Yeah, I. There's, there's a real gifting. John, would you lay hands on him? Are, are you his dad? Yeah, will you lay hands on him? Yeah, there's an, an exceptional administrative gift on the inside of you. You're able to organize and um, allow structure to come into things that are just absolutely a mess. You're able to step in, and God has called you to be able to bring order to disorder. And it's all for the purpose of allowing um, ways in business, particularly in finance, to have um, like a carving out where there's 
absolute confusion and chaos, that does not intimidate you. It's part of the gifting that God has put on the inside of you that you're able to bring a calm in a storm, but it's all for this purpose. It is to get kingdom principles into organizations and entities that lack that place of, of, of being a, um, like, it's, it's, it's like a field or like um, a hotbed for a move of God to happen within the, the, the confines or the place of business. So you're one that God's going to allow to go in and actually bring solution when there's great chaos within financial institutions, within business, that you organize well, that you come in and you speak peace where there is chaos. And God says that he's going to use you as one who is a marketplace minister of the gospel to go in and see salvation come to CEOs, to CFOs, to the presidents of companies, that he is going to use you as a marketplace minister of his kingdom being advanced in business, says the Lord God. Amen. What's your name? Lucas. Father God, I just lay hands on Lucas and I just thank you, Lord, for what you've spoken into his life. I just call it to be seated. Just look at me, Lucas. I remove all limitation off of you that would hinder you from stepping into the fullness. As far as you can dream, God will say, I've got more. I've got more. And I release you to dream and walk in the plans that God has for you, says the Lord God. Amen. And and, and I'm sorry, what was your name again? Vince, that's right. So Vince, I just see over you that there is, I I see God kind of ruffling your feathers, not kind of, he is. He's causing a discomfort in areas where you have began to feel really comfortable and he's going to continue to allow you to be uncomfortable. Not that much longer, but it's going to get, it's going to be more intensified, your discomfort, because of a settledness that you unknowingly had come into of being just okay with how things are. And God is saying, no, he's pulling you into the place of the fullness of what God has for you, that the place that you have centered it, you, you actually are quite spontaneous in receiving an idea of the Lord and being willing to go with it, but you've slowed down into this place of lethargy that's keeping you from being able to be released quickly. And in worship, God says he's an arrow. He's a fiery arrow, but there is um, just a moisture that has really been like, just like a, a, a wet rag thrown on fire that it has been there and now that's uncomfortable to you now you don't like it and it's really you know made you think what am I doing what is this for so right now I just remove off of you restriction I remove off of you where you have partnered with I'm just okay with this because God says it's never what you were called to you are a runner you are a front runner you are one that is given the the spontaneous word of the Lord to run with. And so I remove that you from that back seat that you've taken and you've been willing to take. I remove, I break that off of you. And now I remove settledness and I push you into the place of the wantedness of what God is calling for your gifting and calling for this house and for the nations, for the nations, 
for the nations. Yeah, I see you going into the nations. I don't know if you have a passport, but it's time to get one. I don't know if it's renewed or not. It's time to renew it. Get it up to date. I see you going into the nations. I see teams being launched out of here. Oops, I'm sorry. Fours and fives. And I see teams beginning to go out here. And it's a real mix. You know, it's a great representation Bless you, Vince. It's a great representation, all the young people that are here. And I just now speak over you a willingness to be one who is set on fire. What's your name? Cody. Cody, I release you into the place and I push you, actually. I'm not releasing you. I'm pushing you into the place of being one who is on fire and one who is willing to go set others on fire. Fire for Jesus. Fire for Jesus. May the fire of Jesus burn up everything that has kept you in a place of smallness. You are not made to be small. I release your voice. John, will you come lay hands on him? I release your voice into the place of the fullness. There is a roar. There is a roar. There is a roar. There is a roar. That God is looking. Just take your hands out of your pockets. Lift them up. I release you in the place of the fullness of what God has for you. I release you where smallness has looked to rest on you. I say no in Jesus' name. And I call the roar for the kingdom out of you in the name of Jesus. You know, you're an influencer. And Jesus says that you influence, you're able to change the rudder of the ship to go in people's lives. And God is just asking, do I have your whole yes? What's your name? Ken. Ken? How do you spell that? Hmm. We have that name in Ireland. It's just spelled differently. You're an influencer, but there's choice. There's choice. And he gives you choice to choose how you will influence and where you will influence. Choose wisely, Ken. There is a call there. And you can make this count for eternity or you can influence on this earth. One is more valuable than the other. Choose wisely. God has so much more for you. He's got dreams for you. He's got this, this desire of you that wants to go, 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 go. God says, if he will choose where I am directing his path, I am calling him to run in places that he doesn't even know about yet. But it's all for the place of influencing for the kingdom. John, will you just lay hands on him? So, I push you into the place of making a decision. You won't be able to, to ride the fence on this. You won't be able to have a foot in two camps on this, Ken. You'll have to make a decision. And I push you into the place of using your own voice to choose what God has for you. It's not what you thought he had. Because what you thought is a wrong perspective of what God truly has for your life. You missed it on that one. He has more. And it is adventure, and it's in the place of you running a race. But he's saying there's choice in it. Choose wisely. 
choose wisely. And I bless you to choose wisely in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here and you've received a diagnosis in your physical body, that you are believing for healing in an area of your body, would you just come forward? Looks like you're getting pushed forward, but it looks like you want to be here. Yeah. He's, what's your name again? Zane. Zane. He, oh, this is your son? Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't meet you last night. He, actually, Angie, will you just come over here? So are you, are you 18? Yeah. Okay. Karen, would you bring me a tissue? Actually, what I heard was for the entire family. I heard that um, partnership is being broken today where a spirit of infirmity has looked to take out your bloodline. And I saw that Zane has been targeted under that spirit of infirmity. But we look now to see the strong man removed off of the bloodline. And I just, you know what, when I walked in the, the house, your house, first of all, when I walked in, I was like, oh, there's love. There's a lot of love in this house. But the enemy has looked to dilute it with sickness. And so we're going to see that broken off of your house today. Because this house has been called to be a house of miracles, signs and wonders, the deaf hearing, the blind seeing, dead bodies being raised to to life again. Like I see that tent, that's a building in a field, and they are lined up. And it's reminiscent of the healing revivals that we would have known in from where we're at in the Tulsa area up to this, I always tell the nations we're the buckle of the Bible belt. That was the seed, but no eye has seen on this earth what we're getting ready to step into. If there's harvest, there's healing. If there's harvest, there's a harvest of souls. We're, we do all of this for the kingdom of harvest that's coming forth. And we're going to see infirmity be removed from this house, that it no longer is part of, of the signposting that's over you physically. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I just come before you. Um, Vince, would you come lay hands on Zane? Lay hands on him, Angie. Wow. There's such a Davidic calling on your life. You're called to be one who is like King David, that you have a heart that is is after God and is likened to God. There's a Davidic anointing upon you that you are like King David, that the least of these is who God has said, I call him, I choose him. And so where the enemy has come with an Ishmael anointing, or sorry, not anointing, an Ishmael assignment, wipe that, it's not an anointing, Ishmael assignment, and he's looked to cause you to take on an identity that's not David, but rather the the counterfeit 
I remove that off of you right now. God says your identity, you are so likened to King David. I call you into the place of the true identity that God has for you. I remove off of this bloodline. Vince, would you hold that? I remove, where's your hand, Andy? I remove off of this bloodline. I remove off of this bloodline. I render it powerless and I decree wholeness, healing, nothing missing, nothing broken. I call your cellular makeup to come into order now in Jesus' name. I call you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Body line up. Organs come into their rightful working order. How you, Creator God, have called called Zane's body to operate. I remove off of you death in Jesus' name. And I speak life and long life that you will live out your numbered days according to what God's plan is over your life. And I now remove the death curse that says your days are numbered. It's a lie, and I'm calling it for what it is. I remove that lie, and I send it back to the place of its origin. You can, you have permission and you are released to dream. Your days are not numbered. You will walk in health all the days of your life and you will declare the works of the Lord Jesus. You are called like David, who was anointed and was put in the place to see kingdoms ruled and reigned, to see the kingdoms of darkness removed. That's what God has called you for, Zane. And I bless you to walk out your life in health. Off of your bloodline, both from your mother and father and from your mother and father, I say, where a spirit of infirmity has rested on you, no more is it part of the the place marker over your heads. I remove a spirit of infirmity off of you. And I say, go. Now, to the place of your origin, no longer a part of the worry, the anxiety, the the uh, um, place. I just keep hearing God say, remove numbered days, remove numbered days, remove numbered days. I remove off of you where the enemy has tried to whisper, the days are numbered. No, it is a lie. And I break the power of it. And I say, the Lord God now breathes his ruach, his breath his life over your bloodlines, your DNA. I call your DNA, John. Just let me just look at you for a moment, moment, John. I call your spiritual DNA, your physical DNA. Just look at me. Look at me. I call your DNA. Line up now in the name and by the authority of Jesus Christ, where there has been tremendous wounding, where there has been tremendous, uh, um, just like I keep hearing There's been a gunning by the enemy's camp for his DNA because where he could look to hit you in the place of repetitive trauma, I remove that off of you in Jesus' name, lay hands on him. And I thank you, Lord God, that that DNA comes into alignment, that no longer are there missing chinks and chunks out of your DNA. I call forth the DNA of Jesus. Look at me, John. I call forth the DNA of Jesus. In Jesus' name, line up, line up, line up. Death removed, life and long life. You know, you're going to, 
you're gonna you're gonna uh, uh, um, live a long life. Your days aren't numbered, and death is not a part of any of your near future. And so I speak over you. I, I just see you running. I see you physically taking on things that you had said that was another time, another place. I see some real physical change happening in your body. And I just speak that out as the word of the Lord because he needs you to be able to run. You're going to be a runner and a lifter, runner and a lifter, a runner and a lifter. And I bless you in the place of your physical health coming into complete alignment with what God has for you. Amen. I just want to bless you in the place of intercession that it's a call that you've known for a while and maybe you're already walking in intercession, but I see God is saying, step it up. He's calling you. I see his hand extended out to you and pulling you into a place of learning what it means to war in intercession. That's new for you, but you're willing to it, willing to do it. But God is saying, I call you forth to intercede in a place of warring. So he's calling you into the war room. He's calling you onto the warship and he's calling you into the place of, of he so trusts you with the pieces that he gives you. I see your dream life, your prophetic dream life being sharpened. And I really see loose ends being cut off. And I see you stepping into the place of really, it's a promotion. Like you, you've never ran from being an intercessor, but now God is really showing you what it means to be a prophetic intercessor who enters into war on a daily basis. Actually, what's your first name? Grace. Grace. Grace, I actually see you. You just won't leave war. You Like, it's going to come, become your happy place. That you're happiest when you're in the war room and you're entering into the intercession that God is calling to you. So I bless you to see I keep seeing seer over you as well. I keep seeing seer over you. So I bless you to see, and I bless you to intercede, and I bless you to go to the wall and war. Amen. I see a teaching gift being stirred on the inside of you. I see teaching. I see words being put together. I see an assimilation of you being able to give like teaching out and you just thought that's for somebody else. That's not for me. I want to break limitation off of you. What's your name? Uh, Megan. Uh, Megan. Megan. See my ears so attuned to an Irish accent that I hear American English. And I'm like, what is that? What is that? Okay. Just lift your hands. You're not small in front of Jesus. And so your, your wantedness to just be a wallflower and to be hidden and to not stand out, Megan, I remove that off of you in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Father God, that there is a voice right now where there was childhood trauma that looked to put you in a box, that rejection, would you just hold this, where rejection looked to come and cause such a confinement. Look at me, Megan. He was there. He didn't leave you. And I remove that place of aloneness. I remove that place of isolation. I remove the place where hiddenness has been like a chain around your neck. I remove it. 
It's gone in Jesus' name. And I bless you to read his word and to see what happens when you take time to just linger in a single scripture, a single scripture. He's going to speak to you and give you messages, like a message. It could start off that it's for one person, but he's going to give you one scripture and he's going to give you a message out of it. And he says, start taking the steps of being obedient to give out what he gives to you. I speak over the fullness of healing over your heart. I call the legacy of brokenness that the enemy look to keep you locked into. I remove that off of your heart right now in Jesus name. You physically look different to me than when I first laid eyes on you. You're a free woman and I pull you into greater waves of freedom. Welcome to your new reality. Welcome to your new reality. Free. You're the free girl. That's what they're going to call you when you walk in unedited life. Oh, there's the free girl. Megan, the free girl. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I see it written over your head. My free daughter. My free daughter. I bless you to be free in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, I just see what God is, you know, I'm not calling you out as an apostle, but I am calling you out as one who carries. Go ahead. You're one together. I'm, I'm, I'm not calling you out as an apostle, but I am calling you out as one who has real apostolic purpose. There is tremendous apostolic purpose. And, you know, Jesus was all fivefold. He was all fivefold. You're able with the gifting and calling that you have, you actually um, don't find it much of a stretch to step into any aspect of fivefold where there's a need. You're like, yeah, I can do that. But God wants to begin to narrow it down that he wants to begin because God's just saying, gone are the days of being all over the place. That he's calling a structure for you that's a discipline. And God says he, he blesses you to come into the place that you are no longer all over the place, but you are a target and you know the target. And rather, let me get this right. He's saying, I will show you the target and I will allow you to hit your mark. See, you were just happy to be launched and it really didn't matter to you because you're like, it's all for Jesus. And he's like, it is all for Jesus. It is all for me, but he's now calling both of you into a greater level of maturity. That there's been a love of God that you both have already always had, but now he's asking you to come up higher and to be ones who can be used in the kingdom in a place of causing growth because it's growth that he's requiring of you. And there's a discipline that he is asking you do you love me? Then allow me to discipline you in a place. It's, it, it's not rejection. It's not rejection. It's love because you are two who have great apostolic purpose, both in this area, but I see you in the nations. I see you being willing to go to the nations and that heart's desire that you've had since you were 12 years old, God is saying he will fulfill what you're, you've, he, he knows that you have given him a yes. 
But there's been a lot of distractions and a lot of all over the placeness that has allowed you to be off target. So now is a realignment. What do they do? What do they call that, Karen, when they're uh, redoing the sights on a gun? What is it? Sighting in? There's a sighting in that's happening for your life and your call. It's not rejection, but it is discipline. And go and, and just bathe yourselves in James 1. Amen? Amen. God bless you. I just see God is, he, he's going to allow you to step outside of your gifting and come to understand a new place of revelation, what it means for him to reveal the songs of heaven on earth. And so the unscriptedness of your unedited life is going to get extremely spontaneous and you're well able for it, but he's saying to you, he wants to give you the songs of heaven in a place of your abandonment to come in to know him. There's such, I just see um, songs of prophetic direction, prophetic love. It's all coming from a place of prophecy. It's Jesus. Jesus is the lover of your soul. And you know that. But he wants you to step outside of a confinement. You love different. You love different. But you've suddenly entered into cookie cutter. And he wants to remove that off of you. And as you say yes to that, you're going to step into this real expression of new worship. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to shortly hand it back to Angie. If, if you... If you would like for me to pray over you, and I haven't prayed over you, definitely come and um, have a word with me. I would love to pray over you. I want to speak a blessing over this house. If there's anybody else that is believing for physical healing besides Zane, oh, okay. What is your first name? Serenity. Serenity. Just look at me, Serenity. Yeah. 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 I want to speak. Um, just look at me, Serenity. So, so I call your cells into order right now in Jesus' name. I call every cell into order. And where there has been, I, I just keep hearing autoimmune. And so I just break all autoimmune. Just look at me, Serenity. It, it's important that you look at me, not because of me, but because of the Jesus in me. So right now, by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, I break every diagnosis of an autoimmune condition off of you in Jesus' name. It is not yours for the keeping. And now it is removed by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. And I send it back to the place of its origin. I call doubt to go in the name of Jesus, where hopelessness has landed on your heart, that this will always be your life. I remove that off of you. And I admonish you, just take my hand, take my hand, take a step with me. We're walking out of your old life. Look at me, look at me. We're walking out of your old life and we're walking into a new way of you seeing 
yourself live your life. Now, take another step. Look at me. We're not walking the way that we used to walk. That death is always a, a possibility. That pain is going to be a constant. We're walking into something new right now. We're walking into a place that you will hope and dream and live and breathe and run and skip and do all the things that you want to do pain-free. So I just walk you in to your new life. With every step, you're taking a life, and that is breaking off of you. And I see hope beginning to rise up. And I give you Hebrews 11.1, that hope is fueling faith inside of you, serenity, that you are now being given the confidence to possess the thing you do not see. So I speak the fire of hope all over you, that we're walking into a life that is the life that Jesus truly designed you to walk in and that you will run and you will breathe and you will be the living sacrifice. See, I see hope in your eyes and I saw hopelessness before we started entering into stepping into what Jesus is saying over you. So I speak the hope of heaven to fuel the measure of faith that's on the inside of you. I call where your cells have been in a feverish position that are quickly moved by anxiety. I remove that off of you in Jesus' name. All anxiety be removed in Jesus' name. Now, what you listen to is super important. So I'm going to tell you something I do. I find worship, instrumental worship, and I play it really low when I go to bed at night, and sometimes I play the scriptures really low. I want to encourage you to begin to listen to that when you're going to sleep at night. There is, right now, your cells have been repositioned. I don't doubt that Jesus has repositioned your cells, your red blood cells and your white blood cells. And I call order. Now, this is the place where we steward and walk out what Jesus is doing in our life. So I feel that he's saying, what you listen to, serenity, is really important. So when you go to bed at night, I'm going to ask you, until he tells you to stop, and he'll tell you, I'm going to ask you to listen to either, you can get them on YouTube, I listen to them all the time. But I always ask Jesus, can I listen to this one? Because some of them are flaky. So I ask him, is this one okay to listen to? And he'll lead me. And I'm on one right now I've listened to for at least two months. But I want to bless you to walk out healing. What that means to walk out healing with him. To ask him questions. Can I do this? Can I not do this? Because he's going to show you the path of the Zoe, the God kind of health and life he has for you. But you have to enter in. It won't be your parents. It'll be you. And you're well able. Amen? Okay, God bless you. Would you just raise your hands? I bless this house to prosper. I bless this house to be a worship. I bless this house to untether. So I bless you to have that conversation and exchange with the Lord Jesus. Where am I tethered? What have I tied myself to, knowingly or unknowingly? What, Lord Jesus, are you asking me to to, um, close the door to? What are you calling time on in my life? 
Lord, I thank you that this is a house that enters into the fullness of where God is calling you to. Limitation be removed. I remove you from the place of limitation. I remove that from you in Jesus' name. I remove all limitation. I remove the legacy of brokenness off of this house in Jesus' name. I remove it. I say no longer will this be story after story of where there has been trauma and brokenness. Now I call forth the wholeness, the banner of victory, the banner of victory, the banner of victory, the banner of victory over this house in Jesus' name. Jordan, Jordan, stand up. God says this over you that you have a voice and it will be heard in the nations. Jordan, this is what God says to you. He knows the purposes and plans for your life. It is not a mistake, your life, Jordan, because you are going to see God open doors that no man can shut. You are going to run a race that no one else runs, but you're well able, Jordan. You're well able to hear the voice of the Lord God. And I call forth the prophetic utterance that's on the inside of you that never seems to get unlocked. I release it now in you in Jesus' name. I call you into the place of knowing your prophetic identity as a son of God. And where the enemy has looked to keep you in a place of cloudiness, I pull you into the certainty that you are a son who hears directly from the Lord God that you speak out what God gives you and you make no compromise and you make no excuses. This is what I heard. This is what I say. I call your prophetic voice to be sharpened and for you to step into the fullness as a son of God who hears from God and causes nations to be shifted and causes people groups to come into alignment. You are a kingdom shaper. You are one who has been called to shape the kingdom and I call you into the fullness of that in Jesus. Jesus name. Amen. Do you agree with me? Do you agree with God? Amen. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this house. I believe their windows are green for a reason. This won't be their house for much longer, but when they walk into this house, Lord, I thank you that they will be reminded, pray for Ireland. Stand with Ireland. Lord, it's our privilege to be the generation taking breath on the earth in this hour. Lord, let us leave nothing on the pitch. Let us give our yes today to the place of being untethered. Lord, to the place of stepping outside of restriction. Into the place of saying yes to dreaming the dreams. Just like Ezekiel. Lord, we want to speak breath and life over the things that we thought. And Karen, there's, there's not just a book, there's books. And I speak life over books that you've dreamed about. And I say, I see three books. And God says that he never let that go because he was the one that gave it to you. Though you had thought 
I'll have to let that go. He says he never let it go. And that thing is tethered to your heart because it's tethered to the heart of God. Amen. So Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name that this is a time I bless you to dream. I bless you to dream. I bless you to dream. Dream. I bless you in it. Dream, Jeffrey. Dream in the place of not being restricted. Dream, Megan. It's a time to, the free girl dreams. Amen. I bless you to dream. I release you and bless you to dream. I bless her to dream. I bless you. Was it Jor? No, no. Cody. Cody. I bless you, Cordy. Jordy. Oh my God. Cody, I bless you to dream. Jordan, I bless you to dream. I bless you to dream. I bless this house to dream the dreams. Now, they're not your dreams. I bless you to dream the dreams that God has for you in a place of being untethered, not restricted. This is your time. Go to war. Amen. God bless you. Wow. Can we just give God a hand clap? Okay, I think you can do better than that. With some enthusiasm. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And Karen, can I just add a little something to that? Um, I, I just saw that God was going to have you usher the kingdom into your classroom and that you're going to experience significant changes with the students that you have this year, that you're going to begin to see the transformation that your heart has longed for. And I feel like there's going to be a transition for you in the coming days that he is calling you up higher to do a greater work than you can accomplish in a classroom. All right, guys, go have lunch. Hug someone, tell them that they're your favorite. We love you.